You are listening to That Sounds Made Up with that wonderful coronation. Made by my mouth. How appropriate that we're going to be so festive, because we're going into the 4th of July, right, Matt? Happy 4th of July weekend, listeners. And in that spirit of American patriotism, I have an episode that is about the American Revolution. Yay, history! So, whatever you think of the American Revolution, what comes to mind for you, Matt? Uh, Boston Tea Party, Redcoats. Well, I have a couple of old-timey terms that I want to define for you that have to do with this episode. Oh, goody. The first being Dragoon. Okay, uh, I know this one. It's when you go to a Chinese uh, restaurant and they roll up uh, uh, cream cheese in these uh, deep-fried dumplings and they're delicious. Uh, that's very close. Uh, it's actually a mounted soldier who fights his light cavalry on attack and as dismounted infantry on defense. Oh, that was my second guess. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's named for the dragoon short muskets that they use. Okay, dragoons. So you know those uh, those highly efficient muskets that we used during the American Revolution, where it had one musket ball and you had to spend like four minutes. Yeah, it's like every, every time you shot it, you go, Okay, time! Time, everybody! I gotta reload! <laughs> Mother... <laughs> the second term that I have for you, and this is one of the most old-timey terms I think I've I've heard, Tinterhook. Okay. Uh, that is Robin Williams' classic movie, uh, but the porn parody of it? <laughs> uh, it is a sharp hook used to stretch fabric whenever making uh, garments out of wool. Oh, that was my second guess. And to be afraid and nervous was said to be whenever you were on tinter hooks, like being on pins and needles. <laughs> okay. So Father, I feel on tinter hooks. So we've got, uh, you know, the American Revolution, cavalry, and, and being on pins and needles. Scared uh, revolutionaries with antiquated firearms. Got it. Okay. Our story begins. Major General Henry Lee III was born January 29th, 1756, in Prince William County in the colony of Virginia. He was the son of Colonel Henry Lee II, who was the son of Colonel Henry Lee I, who was the son of Colonel Richard Lee II, who was the son of Colonel Richard Lee I. So talk about a family business. Yeah, real imaginative. Well, you know, sometimes parents want you to follow in their footsteps, but you can imagine military being what you just like, hey, your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather would be pissed if you decided to become a bookkeeper. He He's dead. Don't you talk that way about your extended family that i didn't even know of but that's that's a crazy ass amount of military in your family yeah that's five generations yeah yeah so born near dumfries virginia henry lee the third he was also the son of lucy grimes lee who was courted by george washington before her marriage to henry lee the second Ooh, missed out there grimy yeah, talk about betting on the wrong horse. <laughs> Probably is like creepy teeth. Is it my teeth? Eek, crank. 
oh no, I love the smell of iron and, and sheep. Ugh. Oh, and is that, what is that? Is that molding mahogany? Oh my. Eesh. Now, Lucy continued cultivating her friendship with Washington after her marriage, and he helped her advance her son's career in the military. Now, cultivated friendship. Ah. Mm, yeah. Now, if I was Henry II, I'd be like, hey, uh, what's Washington doing coming around so often? Oh, uh, nothing here. Uh, he's a friend. He, he's he's helping young Harry. Yeah, uh, I couldn't help but notice he was wearing uh, that tight shirt. Uh, you said blue's your favorite color, right? He always comes around in blue. That's how it's a... Simple it's, cultivation, it's a... dear. <laughs> so, Henry III was 20 years old when the Declaration of Independence is signed in 1776. Uh, practically ancient for that day. Yeah, he's an old... He's a well over the hump old man at that point, 20 years old, good lord. So, Henry Light Horse Harry, as he was called. <laughs> Light Horse. He distinguishes himself as one of the revolution's most skilled and able guerrilla fighters. He began his military career as a captain of the 5th Virginia Light Dragoons and quickly earned a renowned reputation for horsemanship. Hence the moniker, Light Horse Harry. You know, of all the, the like military monikers, you could be like Mad Dog or, or Eagle Eye. Light Horse sounds kind of shitty. Yeah, because I'm either thinking like a horse that radiates light or somebody's poor anemic pony. Or, you know, to be considered like light in the hooves. Like, ooh, Light Horse. Clickety-clop, clickety-clop, clickety-clop. Allow me to canter for you, father. I'm in the military, Daddy. Oh, you are a disappointment to your great, 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 great. Seven days later, great, 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 great. Our Magnan ancestors who were also in the military. Our ancestors were the first to pick up a rock and hit someone with it, boy. But I just want to canter. In 1773, he was promoted to major and took command of a mixed cavalry of infantry troops called Lee's Legion. So that he sounds se- like a fucking gas station. <laughs> At that point, he's 17. I mean, I, I, I think Mom definitely cultivated some favor with Washington if he gives you his own Legion at age 17. Yeah. Can you imagine being some, you know, like... 35-year-old hardened farmer and you have to take marching orders from Light Horse Harry. Probably all super zitty and, like, voices okay. cracking still. Oh, we're gonna go marching to Yorktown now. Uh, fucking Light Horse over there. I'm never gonna see my family again. <laughs> in early 1781, Lee's men had played an important role in the major engagement of General Nathaniel Green's army against English General Cornwallis. Now, Cornwallis was like the head honcho for the Redcoats. Yeah, I remember that name. So some historians describe that battle as a major turning point of the war because the British, who actually won the field of engagement, were then forced to retreat before Green's advancing forces. How'd that so, happen? I don't. That is like, you. <laughs> that's amazing. It's like, I imagine he's just standing out there. Gentlemen, we've won the day. This field of battle is ours. Wait, what's that coming over the horizon? Oh, shit. Grab a go, 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 go. <laughs> we still won. 
don't let history say that we ran away. I I'm thinking of like the the final battle in Lord of the Rings when like the army advances and Gandalf has like the staff that radiates light out, but it's some seventeen year old kid with a bunch of unwashed farmers. <laughs> uh. So Cornwallis's losses had been so great that when they were reported in London, uh, one publication responded that another such victory would destroy the British army. Ooh. Now that's like embarrassment. That's being printed in London. Ooh, Cornwallis, they did you dirty. Yeah, yeah. Stick that in your Cornwallis and smoke it. So Lee's company had been dispatched by Nathaniel Green to join forces with General Francis Marion, who was known as the Swamp Fox. The Swamp Fox. Now that's a much better moniker than Light Horse Harry. Because, you know, swamp, it's like, it's dark, it's dangerous, and a fox is something crafty and elusive. Swamp Fox. I think of Shrek. Get out of the swamp! Okay, which would you rather be, Light Horse Harry or the Swamp Fox? Swamp Fox, no yeah, question. Swamp Fox all the way. So they were sent to harass Cornwallis's rear guard. Marion showed himself to be a singularly able leader of irregular militiamen and ruthless in his terrorizing of loyalists. So militiamen, you got to realize, these are just farmers and cattle rangers and just simple salt-of-the-earth workers that are taking up arms, not, like, trained military. Just farmers. (laughs) So Marion's men, they're called Marion's men, they weren't like Continental troops. So they served without any pay, they supplied their own horses, their their own arms, and often their own food. I'm just imagining them, like, recruiting and being like, so are you guys bringing anything? I mean, it sounds like a lot of this is on us. Uh, we thought we'd have some sort of supplies, but we've been just sort of, uh, making dirt balls over here. <laughs> Join the militia and get a hearty handshake. Bring your own gun, your own food, your own boots. Uh, if you die, we won't bury you. That sounds pretty good. It's like an insurance policy. So, Marion rarely committed his men to frontal warfare. He repeatedly bewildered larger bodies of British regulars with quick surprise attacks and equally sudden withdrawals from the field. So, real hit-and-run kind of military. Uh, you know, that's probably smarter. So, yeah, real hit-and-run, like, guerrilla. You know, the, the, remember, the English, they're marching in columns wearing bright red. Yeah, that's, that's how they were able to get picked off so well, right? Yeah, and, like, there's just gunfire coming from the woods. I'm just imagining the British being like, No fair! You were supposed to march in front of us so we can shoot you with ease. There are rules! We said the woods were off limits! Pip-pip cheerio! So Lee was now camped in the wilderness in North Carolina, and I shit you not, they were camped along Drowning Creek. No... Who's naming that fucking place? That's That doesn't inspire confidence. And this is Sadness Forest. This is Shoot Yourself in Your Face Gulch. Over there, that's My Wife Left Me uh, Ridge. Okay, can we have Thomas stop naming things in the area? How about Happy Town? Or oh. Victory Falls? I already named this I Cry Myself to Sleep Plains. Damn it, Thomas. 
<laughs> we really got to get you some fresh perspective on life. Here, chew this opium. <laughs> oh, boy. In the middle of the night, word was passed from the officer of the day that strange noises had been heard by one of the outlying pickets. Noises resembling a body of men moving from surrounding swamps towards the encampment. So, they're hearing the sounds of troops marching in the night. Creepy. The duty officer had a bugle sounded, and the horse patrols called back to camp. He ordered the troops to arms and arrayed them for defense. So, they're hearing enough troop march movement that's like, Okay, blow the horns, bring the horses in, grab your shit. It's serious now. So, the sentry reported that he heard enemy horsemen splashing through the marshlands, called for them to identify themselves. Okay, called for them to identify themselves. Now, you guys have had your success doing hit and run, let's hide and shoot at them, but you're expecting, you there, if you're English, you have to tell me. It's the rules. Don't make me get mom. So what happened? So, yeah, they called the bugles, the horses are there, and calls for them to identify themselves. When they did not respond, they started firing musket rounds into the darkness at the sounds. So that's some twitchy trigger fingers. Yeah. Spooky, rustly noises in the dark. Probably should kill it. It's like, well, they didn't immediately answer. I guess it might be a supply uh, troop. Could be medical support. Shoot (laughs) them! My leg! So, Lee is now awakened by the gunfire. (laughs) Poor guy. Uh, And so, now awakened, he was confident that there were no other troops within miles. He was several days' march from Marion, his uh, compatriot, and still further away from tracking Cornwallis and his men. So, he he was prepared to dismiss the alarm. But then a second report came in from another quarter of the camp perimeter. Again, shots rang out into dismal night with the same explanation. I thought I heard somebody. I'm just imagining these guys, like, lightly, almost not off to sleep, like, Oh, Revolutionary War. Oh, what's that? Sorry, sorry, my bad. We got him. Okay, everyone, no more shooting. Okay, that's a, I'm giving that one as a grace period. I feel like that's a big part of the reason why uh, in the Second Amendment it says to maintain a well-regulated militia. Because <laughs> these fuckers didn't know what they were doing. Like there are creaks and cracks and they're just popping off rounds. So now Lee began to take the situation seriously and he ordered a change in formation of the troops. Just then a third report came in from still another direction. Another yeah, that's a report ter- of like gunfire, right? Uh, it doesn't say gunfire, but it says another report. I'm assuming that they're shooting off, though. Yeah. I'm assuming they're letting off bottle rockets and like party horns, like pow, 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 pow. We got explosives. We. Yeah. Uh, so these guys sound a little nervous. So it came from another direction, and then there was another turn of forces, only for the fourth report to come in. This one from a picket guarding the main road that they were supposed to take the next morning. So they're thinking, oh shit, now it's coming from the road. Maybe they're marching in formation to come at us with force. Yeah, that's scary. 
yeah, that's, I mean, once you start hearing it coming from the road, that's a, you know, pucker your colonial butthole moment. Yep. So they begin wondering, like, we can't see anything. Are these enemies or are these ghosts? So the entire company spent the rest of the night on tenterhooks. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> With their fires extinguished, guns at the ready all night long, their eyes straining into the darkness. So a full Sleepless night, night. Like, like a pins and needles, guns cocked and ready all night long. Okay. Mm-hmm. At dawn, the commander formed his men into columns and they cautiously moved out. Now this continues in, in Lee's own words. He says, in this state of suspense, we might've continued long had not the van officer directed his attention to the ground for the purpose of examining the trail for our active foe, when to his astonishment, he found the tracks of a large pack of wolves. It was evident that they presumed that the presumed enemy was a troop of wild beasts collected and anxious to pass along their usual route. Finding it obstructed by our camp, they turned from point to point to pass across the field being everywhere fired on. They widened their circuit until they reached the road. So this was a large pack of wolves that seeing that there was a camp, moved around it all at once. With guns? No, they, they never heard a fire. There was never a shot fired except for Lee's guys. Oh, my God. Okay. So they were spooking themselves. They had psyched themselves tra- up so much. <laughs> all right. All right. And so the Commander Lee continues... Our agitation vanished and was succeeded by glee. Nowhere do wit and humor abound more than in camps, and no occurrence was more apt to elicit it than the one we had just experienced. Never a day's march more pleasant, being one continued scene of good humor intersped with innocent flashes of wit. So they are so happy to realize they were only swarmed with wolves. Ah, jolly good. Uh, he says, every character, not accepting the com- the commandants, was hit, and every salutatory counsel was often parted under cover of a joke. So they're all just giggles and, 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 and happy the next day. Like, uh, I, I shit my pants last night. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, me too. I, I considered shooting myself just to get it over with. <laughs> Thought we were going to wind up being tortured in an English prison for the rest of our lives, but hey... Uh, Either that or it was the ominous specters of hell coming for our very souls. Oh, good fun. Ah, jolly, jolly fun. Wait, these are Americans, so yay, rabies at the worst. So he concludes saying that each considered himself a dupe. The pickets, the patrols, the sentinels, and the officer of the day were marked as particular objects of derision. How wonderful that not one of them could distinguish between the movements of wolves and soldiers. That's silly. It's still a terrifying thought that you are swarmed by wolves. Yeah. And they're probably a lot more bold back in those days, too. And So in 1781, things were so shitty on the regular that it was a comfort to have been encamped with a bunch of wolves. (laughs) So after the war, he was... uh, uh, generally was uh, pretty tight with Washington and you know he had helped him get his career and him and Light Horse Harry had a long relationship 
So Harry becomes a statesman and actually championed the adoption of the U.S. Constitution and later became governor of Virginia. He was actually asked to speak funeral words whenever Washington was laid to rest after his death. Mm -hmm. And he said, Be American in thought, word, and deed. Thus you will give immortality to that union. Oh, and by the way, his son, General Robert E. Lee, fought against that union. Oh! What is his family lineage of soldiers going to think of that? Robert. So he still goes into the family business, but just for the that, union, that union of, of colonies that his father fought for independence, eh, fuck that. They, you know... Those slave owners were very determined people. Yeah. Well, I know people always go with the defense that, oh, Robert E. Lee, you know, he he went with Virginia. His family was, you know, Virginian. But yeah, yeah his father was a hero of the revolution and was right. tight with Washington. And when laying Washington to rest, says that we as Americans should fight for the immortality of the Union. <sighs> That's haunting. That's the most haunting part of this story, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, not exactly, you know, a made-up story, but a nice spooky story for the 4th of July. Yeah, the the context of the father of Robert E. Lee as... uh, Wow. Yeah, I would have never... I would have never known. Yeah, he was there at the surrender uh, whenever Cornwallis surrendered his troops. Henry Lee III was there, yeah. Jeez. So, now let me ask you this. If you were one of these militiamen who was not trained in the military, you're a farmer, you've brought your own rabbit shooting gun, Just you know. conscripted. Yeah, and you're out here at, remember, it's called Drowning Creek. It's the middle of the night, and you're hearing this rustling of what sounds like troop movements all around you. So... Rustling troops. At any time. Guns are going off. You can't see anybody. What's your level of scaredness, and do you consider something supernatural? Uh, absolutely. You know, because there's probably no super formal education at this point. Um, that's got to be an entire night's worth of not knowing if, like, when there's going to be an attack or. How long they're going to wait until you just get wiped out. That's terrifying. Yeah, so my sources for this uh, story were mountvernon.org, battlefields.org, and University of Buffalo's Buffalo News. So, yeah, it really shows you how quickly you can go from American hero to American enemy in one lineage. Yikes. Let that be a lesson for you, listener. (laughs) So, happy 4th of July. Thank you for listening to our Revolutionary War horror-ish story. Uh, For That Sounds Made Up, I'm your host, Casey Ellis. I'm your co-host, Matt Keeley. So take pride in your country, and let's shoot off some fireworks.